What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does the day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. Thank you for listening to the Birth Story Podcast. If you are tuning in for the first time, I want to encourage you to start at the beginning. I want you to go on a journey with me and allow me to be your virtual doula and teach you all the things along the way. So I'm just going to give you a couple highlights of some of the earlier podcast episodes if you are just now tuning in. So very first episode, episode one, you can learn all about me, who I am, why I became a doula, why it is. I do what I do, and also my very own birth story with my second child, Jagger. Then I've interviewed some really cool CEOs. So episode three, Tori Jones is the CEO of Eshell Triangle, and she was also featured on Rachel Hollis's The Rise podcast. Episode seven was Rachel Coley, the CEO of Can Do Kiddo. She was just on Good Morning America. She's an incredible occupational therapist that teaches you how to play with your baby, and her birth stories are incredible. Episode 10 was one of my best friends, Amy, who had a VBAC in the car. We have done episodes on micro preemies, episode 18. 21 on international adoption out of Uganda, 24 and 25. Oh, those episodes like get a box of tissues. They're on surrogacy and cancer. We've addressed hypnobirthing, fertility, really easy, joyful, uh, medicated births, really hard, long labors, medicated, unmedicated, everything in between. So I hope you'll start at the beginning. Let the Birth Story Podcast take you on a journey all the way through and enjoy this episode. And then remember to rewind all the way back to episode one. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, Ashley, welcome to the Birth Story Podcast. How are you? Excellent. How are you? Thank you. I'm so good. And I'm really excited that you're on because I really, all I know about you is this kind of like viral photo of you at your house and like this (laughs) funny story on Instagram. And so why don't you just start off and just, I don't know anything about you. So tell me a little bit about like who you are and your life and where you live. Absolutely. Um, Well, we live in, I live in Dallas, Texas. And um, I'm married to my best friend, Chase. And together we have three daughters now, a four-year-old, two-year-old, and a one-month-old now. And that's our family. (laughs) I love it. Have you always been in Texas? Like, is that where you're from? 
Yes. Yeah. I was born and raised here. I lived in Utah for a few years for school purposes, but we got back to Texas as fast as we could. <laughs> it's our, it's the place we love. Yeah. It's, and how are you guys doing with everything with COVID? I kind of like looked at a map and it seemed like there was sort of a lot in Texas, but then I also know that Texas is, there's a lot of land and people spread out. Um, so are you feeling pretty safe or are you feeling pretty isolated? Yeah, we're, we're feeling pretty safe. Obviously, the first few weeks um, was a big change and adjustment. We're not necessarily in the city of Dallas. We're in a suburb outside, um, but there's certainly still a large population of people. Uh, yeah, the adjustment was the, the biggest part as far as isolation goes. But of course, things are opening up slowly now. And so things are feeling a lot more normal, especially this week. So we're, we're feeling great. Yeah. Well, we are going to hear about the birth story of your one month old and all of the like crazy details and all the fun that it was. But I wondered if you just wanted to kind of tell me what it was like to be pregnant with your third at the end of your pregnancy and then boom, COVID hits. Like what changed for you? Like maybe it was prenatal appointments or your birth plan or like what? How is it different a month ago when you were going into your birthing time compared to your first two? Well, as far as the appointments go, um, I had planned to birth at a, a birthing center, which we used prior with our previous two daughters. And so they transitioned to Zoom call appointments. When we pull in the parking lot, um, we begin like, as far as like the questions your midwife asks you or... Um, OBGYN asked you um, at the beginning of the appointment, we're just conducted via Zoom in the parking lot. Okay. And then as far as vitals go, um, I went inside for those afterward. So it was minimal contact, obviously. They did their very best to keep everything safe and sanitary. It was great. They took great precautions. So that was kind of a bummer, just not having as much face-to-face time with my midwife, who I know really well and the, and the multiple midwives there and the staff whom we love. So that was definitely different. I, I think just like the emotional stress of the economy and things changing so drastically day to day, you really didn't know what the next day held. Um, as far as the last term of my pregnancy, or as far as COVID, in other words, during the last time of my pregnancy. So that, yeah, brought on a lot of emotional stress, I would say. But I was also really excited for this baby to come. And so I did my very best mentally to prepare myself just to avoid the fear, avoid the the stress of it all, and just focus on the baby as much as I could. Um, that was definitely a challenge, um, to say the least, but that was my ultimate goal. Yeah. Well, so I'm a doula in North Carolina, and a That's lot it. of my multi-moms right now that are due with baby three and four the biggest change for them has really been like what their childcare plan is going to be oh, for right. everything. And so um, I know we're going to get into your story, but like, was that part of your story at all? Did you know that you had a solid plan for like you and Chase going to the birth center and then like who was going to take care of your two and four year old? Yeah, that was a bit stressful. Um, just wondering who to ask and who would feel comfortable not making people feel obligated or awkward at that certain time. Thankfully, we had a few close friends we attend church with um, within like a five minute drive that actually 
offered to take the girls. So that was a huge blessing. We had a couple backup plans um, and, and one particular friend that said she would take them. So oh, um, <laughs> it worked out. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess for those listeners too, we sh- I usually don't put dates on here, but I do want to mark that it's like May the 7th. And so what day was your daughter born on? April 8th. On April 8th. So April 8th, 2020. So if anybody's listening to this later, <laughs> they can kind of have a time reference of like what it would, if you could remember back to April 8th of 2020 on like what kind of was going on in the world at that time with COVID, no matter when you're listening to this episode. So Ashley, I am just before we get into like the birth of baby number three, and what's her name, by the way? Collins Grace. Collins Grace. Okay. Such a cute name. And before we get to like Collins Grace, will you just kind of give me the like high level view of like your first two births? And like, did you birth the first two at the birth center and kind of what led you to midwifery care in a birth center? Absolutely. My first birth, we planned to do a birth center. My husband's in a, a was attending chiropractic school at that time. And within chiropractic school, you learn quite a bit about different options of birth and medical freedom and just freedom of choice, things like that. And so we researched it, prayed about it, and we felt like a birthing center was the right option for us. So we found one we loved um, with a wonderful staff and um, thankfully, my the birth worked out there um, with our first. She was actually 15 days late. <laughs> I physically, I felt great. I didn't. It wasn't really a stressful pregnancy. I mean, it was, it was fine. The only hard part was everyone asking constantly after the due date, "Is she here? Is it safe? Are you going to be induced?" Things like that. Just the energy from everyone else, the stressful energy from everyone else building up. But as yeah. far as I felt, I felt fine. And then she came out like seven pounds, six ounces. So she was totally fine, not too big or anything like that. Everyone was concerned about. And then the second birth, she was actually 14 days late. <laughs> so that's just how my body works. My, my kids are just late. And so that one went well as also we planned to do a birthing center and I labored there for about 45 minutes. And then as my midwife was monitoring her heart rate, it actually dropped to a concerning level. And she said, let's head over to the hospital just out of precaution. Luckily, it was, I don't even know if it's half a mile. It was very close, like a one minute drive. And so we headed to the hospital and I actually had her there naturally within 20 minutes. And um, the reason her heart rate dropped was because the cord was around her shoulder and everything worked out fine. She was completely healthy after that. So those were my two first two experiences. Yeah. Okay. Well, First of all, I want to interject from a teaching moment because I think it's so important, right? Like birthing in a birthing center, like autonomous birthing, like there is medical freedom. Like there's so many beautiful things that go into that decision. But like, I really love when birth centers are very close to like a hospital in certain cities. So like what a beautiful thing that you had the best of both worlds, right? To be able to have the midwifery model of care and all kind of like the freedom over your body and your birthing experience. But when, you know, you may be needed a little bit of extra attention, like continuous monitoring, then you could jump right over there. And so I do want to jump in right there because it's so important to talk about like when the heart rate drops. Number one, when we go looking for things like IE monitoring, 
we tend to find things. And a couple of things, when the baby's heart starts having decelerations, we typically know that either one of two things are happening. Either the cord is being compressed. I'm guessing your water had already ruptured. Um, And it typically is like after the water ruptures and like that cord is being compressed in some way. Sometimes our babies like are just holding the cord and squeezing it. And then other times our babies have it wrapped all the way around their body or around their neck. And then as they engage in the birth canal, the uterus squeezes and it puts pressure cord compression on that umbilical cord, which, you know, cuts off a little bit of that continuous blood supply that goes back and forth between baby and placenta. And what we see on the monitor are these little dips in heart rate, but then the contraction ends and the heart, the squeezing is over and the heart rate goes right back up. So if you are getting ready to go into your birthing time, someone who's listening and you're being monitored and there's a little dip in the heart rate, please just know how normal that is. Like I experienced it with both of my babies, almost all of my clients. Another reason is, is if you're just ready to deliver, the head is so low and the head is also getting squeezed and a baby will tolerate that for so long before they have some dips in heart rate. So I'm just glad you brought that up, Ashley, as a side note, so we could teach a little bit about if someone's, you know, if you're, you know, laboring and we see dips, whether you're at the birth center or you're at a home birth or you're at a hospital and there's a few dips in the heart rate that it's usually no big deal, but it is good to go take some, you know, precautions just in case baby needs a little extra attention. So really healthy, you gestate to 42 weeks, like really healthy pregnancies. So what about with little Collins Grace? Did you did you go two weeks over also? <laughs> just about. She was 13 days late. She was 13 days. So you're, <laughs> you you know your body at this point and like what your gestation is. Or maybe you're an, a late ovulator also. I don't know. Um, some people ovulate really early and then some people ovulate late too. Ashley, I gestated to 43 weeks. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I feel, I birthed at 21 days over. I was in kind of like prodromal labor that whole like 42nd week and then finally birthed at the four, right at 43 weeks at 21 days over. So I know what it's like when everyone's <laughs> calling you like, hey, right. is that baby there yet? And you're like, stop calling me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, the baby will come when the baby wants to come. And so, well, it sounds like you had really good midwives too that were just really supportive of letting your body do its thing and weren't like scaring you into inductions or anything like that. Now, was baby number two in that seven pound range also? Yeah, yeah, they were all um, within the seven pound range. So oh. this this is the biggest, but seven pounds, 12 ounces. So nothing concerning like, like others may have guessed. So she yeah. was perfect. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, let's get into Collins Grace. I want to know, like from the very beginning, like, were you planning this pregnancy? Yes. Yeah, we definitely were. Okay. I was going to say, when you usually see them like exactly two years apart, I'm like, (laughs) Ashley knows what she's doing here, you know? So plan pregnancy. And then how did you find out? Found out just... Just the usual way. Just <laughs> it wasn't anything. It wasn't anything exciting. Um, or yeah, we just um, found out together at the same time, and we're okay. thrilled. We were so excited. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, we thought for sure it would be a boy because actually Chase and I, when we were um, without, before we had kids, we pictured ourselves with six boys. We thought, oh yeah, we'll, we'll have all boys. They'll be in sports. Our girls are athletic too, but we never thought or thought we would have girls. So I think for saying that we're going to get a lot of girls. <laughs> I love it. Now I know you're only one month postpartum, but do you still want to have six? We do. Yeah. We, yeah. we want a lot of kids. <laughs> I love it. I'm one of five. So I love really big families. If right. I could go back in time, I would have had at least four or more. Um, <laughs> but I met my husband pretty late in life. And so I was a much older mom when I started the process, but I love big families. I love being one of five. It's really fun. So tell me, how did your pregnancy go? Um, it went well. This was actually the smoothest one until obviously the virus hit and that was a little, and that was stressful. But as far as like physically and emotionally, I felt really, really great. Maybe it's just because my husband was out of school and things in our lives were a little more stable, but physically I felt, I felt great. It went by really fast, probably yeah. because of the older two, but I, I didn't have any complaints. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Now I send all of my doula clients for chiropractic care. Like I think it's a really, <laughs> really important part of having a healthy pregnancy and having a healthy mom. And so talk to me about like being married to a chiropractor and <laughs> you just get adjustments whenever you needed them. Like how did that care? Did your husband take care of you or did you see someone else? Both actually. Yeah. I always tell people chiropractic is my saving grace when it comes to pregnancy. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I can't imagine pregnancy without the daily, weekly adjustments that certainly saved me. Um, my husband doesn't necessarily specialize in prenatal care. So he just did what he could as far as like neck adjustments and things like that. He does a lot of lymphatic work and deep tissue massage. So that was tremendous. And then I also saw a chiropractor that specializes in prenatal care, which was phenomenal. So that relieved and eliminated a lot of back pain that I, I experienced some with the first, um, just because my husband was in school and we didn't have a, a big network of, um, chiropractors that we knew yet, but this one, I think it went so smoothly because I had a lot of chiropractic care. So it was a tremendous blessing. Yeah. So anyone who's listening, if you are pregnant, like check the box, <laughs> like do your research, find a good chiropractor that does specialize in prenatal care. I mean, I literally like just went to the chiropractor like here in Montana, like two hours ago and I wasn't, <laughs> and I was, you know, it's everything, everything just kind of was not feeling good. I was also feeling a little anxious when things get out of alignment for me. And then I just right. walked away with all of the amazing endorphins and feel amazing and everything. Fabulous. Great. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're pregnant, do it. Find a good, good chiropractor. And if you're in the Dallas area, find Chase or one of, or maybe your partner can find Chase too, since Chase doesn't do specialize in prenatal care, but <laughs> yes, you can certainly find, recommend plenty. <laughs> yes. Find Chase. Okay. So totally healthy pregnancy, like no gestational diabetes, no group beta strep. Like, was there anything in your pregnancy with blood pressure or was just like picture perfect all the way through? It was, it, it was a great blessing. It was, it was pretty perfect. <laughs> I, yeah. I can't complain. I love it. Okay. So now you're on baby number three, you know, you just ate to 42 weeks. You're like, okay, I'm not expecting this baby to come at 38 <laughs> weeks, like most moms, you know? So tell me about like 
those on specifically on baby three, when you have a two-year-old and a four-year-old and you're so excited and you're like, you know, I know that I'm going to 42 weeks. Tell me about those last couple of weeks. And I asked this question because so this is where I, I lose so many moms, like in my doula business mentally, we do so much work like that, that guest date comes and goes and then it's like they spiral. And so I was hoping you could share a little bit about like, what are some of the things you did to stay busy and stay positive and to know that going to 42 weeks is healthy? Sure. Yeah. They certainly kept me on my toes. I mean, they always do. They're just little toddlers. So they made the time go by really fast. I did a lot of research um, regarding meditation and just having a peaceful, peaceful state of mind, in other words, and reminding myself to be grounded. I also did a lot of spinning babies, um, if you're familiar with that. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> which is funny that I'm saying this now because I, I was one to knock on it. The first two pregnancies, I thought it was a joke as far as like meditating and mindfulness. I thought, no way. As long as you're like fit physically, it's all in the physical aspect. I, I, didn't, I discounted the mental priority for sure with the first two pregnancies. But this one, I felt like I had it in the bag because... I had researched so much about having a peaceful state of mind. And so I just reminded myself constantly to stay grounded. I reminded myself each night, positive affirmations each morning, each night. And I felt like that really helped me stay calm and stay peaceful despite everything that was going on outside of our house. I, I made it a point to keep our house at peace and happy and uplifting and despite everything the news was telling us, I, I just tried to stay positive. And I think that really helped us <laughs> throughout it all. I love it. So I have a certification as a hypno babies doula. And one of Great. the things like kind of what you're describing is similar to like fear clearing, just kind of like, and they right. also have this thing called like the, you know, bubble of peace where you like put this bubble yeah. around you and then you just don't let those <laughs> negative messages like infiltrate um, into your space. And so that sounds like, Ashley, you were really good at doing that. <laughs> So before I get into like the da, 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 like going into labor <laughs> with your first two, about how long were you in labor with number one and number two? 16 hours with the first okay. and about four hours with the second. With, I should mention with the second, I did take castor oil, a blend of castor oil. It was like a, a smoothie blend with different things to counteract the taste and texture, but Within about an hour and a half, it kicked me into labor. So it was pretty quick. Yeah. So I have a guide to natural induction methods. And it was like, I think episode 22 or something on the podcast. And I always say like, last resort, castor oil. <laughs> like, like, if you're at yes. 40, like if you're at 42 weeks, you know, and maybe you've done all the other things like, you know, nipple stimulation and red raspberry leaf tea and whatever. Um, yeah. I do highly recommend if you're, if you're bumping up at that 42 week mark, and then I'm speaking from someone who made it all the way to 43 weeks, <laughs> I'm like, if you're bumping up against 42, I see nothing wrong with a little cast, castor oil smoothie. Did you also do some black and blue cohosh or any herbs, um, or just stuck with the castor oil? I did take an herb tincture. It's called uh, Gentle Birth. I wish I could remember off the top of my head what was in it. But yeah, I took a tincture as well as the red raspberry tea. So 
Awesome. We'll link to all of these. Like there's going to be people that are listening for the first time. Like, you know, stick with me. I'm going to link to everything in the show notes. <laughs> listening to this podcast certainly might help you know how to go into labor. <laughs> okay. So now here we are with like Collins Grace. You knew it was a girl. Had you already named her? We did. Yeah. We, okay. we picked it pretty early on. All right. So you're like talking to her and you said that you went 13. 13 days late, right? So this yes. time, did you do any of these like magical natural induction things to try to get things going? <laughs> um, I did have my membrane stripped. I think that's mm-hmm. the right term for it. Yeah. Um, the day before. So I think that was a big factor as to what kicked things in the gear the following day. And I was taking the gentle birth tincture as well. So those were the two. Oh, and I also did take the red raspberry tea leaf. I think that's what it's called. And my midwife actually told me my appointment was the day before she was born. And she was like, just put like, put a lot of tea bags in, in a cup. Just <laughs> you can go wild. So I did like six <laughs> in, I, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm not a practitioner or anything, so I can't, I don't know if I should recommend that, but I used a lot. And so, um, maybe it was a combination of those three. Yes. Okay. So in my guide that I like have out into the world, I usually say four to six tea bags. So like to make it really thick and strong and some people will sweeten it with some things, but I think it actually has a nice flavor and um, it wasn't bad. Yeah. And so a lot of times I'll, I'll tell my mom's like, okay, just take a Mason jar, put like four or six bags in it, put your water in, put it in the fridge overnight. And then you have kind of like a cold brew in the morning too. That's really refreshing. So that's a good way to do it. Okay. I want to interject really quick with another teaching moment on sweeping the membranes, because again, I have a lot of listeners that are first time moms and they have no idea what that means. So I will explain what it is. And then I was hoping you might explain how you experienced the procedure. So a membrane sweep is where if you, you have to be at least one centimeter dilated and you have to have kind of like a soft cervix that's front and center and kind of ready to go. And what your practitioner will do is gently separate your bag of water from kind of like the top of the um, cervix. And what that does theoretically is releases prostaglandins. And we believe that this is one of the ways in which we go into labor is through the release of prostaglandins. And so, um, you know, at 13, 12 days over at this point, I think you are a membrane sweep could be quite effective. There's some really good data. Uh, if you are interested in learning more about membrane sweeps at evidencebasebirth.com, I really like Rebecca Decker and her evidence-based birth. But I was hoping, Ashley, you may like share with us what it felt like to get your membrane swept. Sure. It I wouldn't say, I mean, it was a little painful. Uncomfortable is a better word for it. So yeah, just, just a little uncomfortable, not too bad. And it was how, definitely worth it because it brought on labor. <laughs> yeah. And how long did the procedure last? Um, it's really fast. No more than five minutes, at least okay. for me. So yeah. Now we're going to take a short break to just share a few things with you. Thanks for listening to the Birth Story podcast. I am so excited to announce the launch of my book, Birth Story, a 42-week guide for your pregnancy, a collection of these birth stories, a ton of doula advice, and journaling prompts. You can order a copy today at birthstory.com. It also will mean the world to me if you'll spread the word about this podcast. So on Stitcher or on iTunes, just leave a review. Thanks. 
Okay. So you're at 12 days over, you go get your membrane swept, you take your tinctures and your herbs. And then what happens? So do you want like a play-by-play? Yeah. Now I want like a play-by-play. Like, yeah. How did you know you're in labor? Like what? Just roll with the whole story now. Because I know from the Instagram photo what happens, but I want to know like what happened between those moments. Yeah. Absolutely. So following my appointment with my midwife, I of course took the tincture and then we went on a a family walk. It was about a mile and a half to two miles because obviously walking is a a great way to bring it on. And then um, that night around, I would say 11 p.m., I started feeling cramping and it wasn't anything consistent, but I went to bed around 1230, um, still feeling it. And then throughout the night, I would wake up and I felt a lot of cramping, but uh, again, it wasn't significant. It was just uncomfortable. And then that morning, I woke up around eight or between seven and eight. My husband was getting ready to leave for work and the cramping had definitely gotten stronger. I feel like at that point it was probably contractions, although my water hadn't broken. And um, with the first two, my water broke while I was asleep. And then I woke up and then within a few hours, uh, contractions began. So I I just kept brushing it off because um, my water hadn't broken yet. And so I didn't think it was anything significant. So I told my husband to leave for work. Um, I told him I'd be fine. I was, the pain was beginning to be more intense throughout the morning. And a a couple hours later, I noticed they were beginning to be more consistent and more intense. So I gave my husband a call as I was making my daughter's breakfast downstairs and said, I can't do this anymore. I need you to come home. I knew he was coming home early. He just had a couple patients, but I asked him to come home and let's see. (laughs) I was just going to interject right there. I love... I love like third time moms, right? Like a first time mom where like every little twinge, you're like, oh my gosh, what is that? What is that? And a third time mom, you're like well into labor and you're like taking care of two kids and making breakfast and like, oh, to Chase, go to work. Like no big deal. It's just so different, the laid back. Cause it's like, you know what the finale looks like. <laughs> and then it's like, so everything, by the time you're on baby number three, it's like everything besides the finale is like, you know, no big deal. So. I know. Looking, looking back, I'm like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Like, why did I brush it off? But no, really, it's because no, the no, first no. two experiences were so different. <laughs> yeah, and they and they paved the way, right? Like when yeah. we've when we've taught ourselves the first time you climb that mountain, it's very intimidating, and you don't know how you're going to make it to the top, and you're not sure what is around each corner. But like after you've done it a couple of times, you're like, oh, I know this mountain. You know, <laughs> like we're good. The top is still like way far. You know, way far. Exactly. Exactly. That was my mindset for sure. (laughs) So, um, to continue on, yeah, I I asked him to come home and, um, I hung up and within about, I'd say 10 or 15 minutes, I gave him a call back in tears saying, I need like, I need you to hurry. And he was in the car, um, by then. So he was on his way. And, um, luckily while I was on the phone with him, my water broke. And, Why do you and, think you were teary? Were you scared or did it just get that intense that quickly? Scared was a portion of it. I was scared for my daughters. I wasn't like scared for myself. I was scared for my girls, like okay. the fear of having having her like by myself with the girls and to have yeah. them experience that trauma. Um, and um, so yeah, that 
that was what was going through my head emotionally. So yeah, I thankfully was on the phone with him when my water broke and then the pain definitely escalated from there. And I told him to call 911 just after my water broke because I, for some reason, just immediately knew, had the impression that we wouldn't make it to the birthing center, which was about 20 minutes from our house. And with the time it would take him to come home, thankfully he called right away. Yeah. So you're just, you know, going about your normal day, like you said, but then it's important to note, like something changed. Like it's almost like a switch flips. Like we're we're just like, okay, 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 okay. And then it's like, (laughs) oh, it's not, I'm in labor anymore. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm about to have a baby now. And so under any normal circumstances, you know, uh, not on baby number three. And when you didn't have a four hour labor on your second (laughs) one, um, which tells me like, you know, you have the built, your body has the ability to birth very quickly. You know, most people I would probably encourage if you get that, that flip switch, like "Mm, you're close, try to go to the, but if your water breaks, this is so important. Your, I mean, your baby's coming. Like if your water breaks, like the baby's yeah. coming. So you're on the phone with Chase and your water breaks and I'm hearing your story and I'm feeling this all. And so immediately, did you have pressure or was it just the intensity of the contractions like um, went up? While I was on the phone, it was the intensity of the contractions um, went up. I didn't feel pressure. I don't think until, well, I don't, I, so what happened was, as soon as I told him to call 911, my body just went into this mode where I like needed to be on my hands and knees for some reason. So I, I dropped to the floor and was on hands and knees. And like, that was way more comfortable than standing. And that, in that moment is when I felt pressure. So yeah, I guess it was right. Like just within a minute after, after my water broke. So very fast. (laughs) Okay. So now you're in the living room floor. This is my favorite part of the story. (laughs) <laughs> and you drop to your hands and knees and you're, I guess Chase is still on the phone, but on his way home. Yeah. He was on speakerphone. So I just heard him say, okay, okay I'm calling 911. And then um, that was the last I heard. And I, I left the, yeah, I, I dropped my phone. And as soon as I hit my hands and knees, I was just, I was like looking at the floor and I couldn't really look up because I was so in the zone of the pressure I was feeling and knowing this child was going to come ASAP. So I didn't look up from there. You were like, we're having a home birth. This is perfect in the middle of COVID. Just right. right. You know, this is, I mean, really, I mean, in my eyes, I'm like, this is ideal in some way. Yeah. Okay. So will you share this hysterical story with your other daughter when you're in this moment, this very intense labor land moment? Yes. So I was in the middle of making them breakfast. And so, um, of course one has a bagel in her hand. And when I get to all fours, my two-year-old runs over with her bagel, jumps on my back, thinks we're playing horse. Cause that's what you do on all fours, you know? And so she jumps on my back and starts playing and I'm just like, Oh, this is the last thing I need. And my four-year-old walks over and is like, mom, and like yelling at me to finish making breakfast. Like, what are you doing on the floor? And thankfully she heard me tell my husband to call 911. And so, um, when she heard that, she looks up her sister, Amanda, the two-year-old and says, mom's calling 911 and just starts laughing hysterically thinking it's like a comedy routine. And, um, and one's on your back playing horsey. I mean, I just, yeah, 
Yeah. It probably felt really good, actually. Like I was thinking like maybe like the pressure on your sacrum, like maybe it felt good. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. That is, you would think it would. (laughs) No, but yeah, definitely added to the chaos and my worry of these poor girls that that may have to witness this made it pretty stressful. Um, But thank heavens within, I would say like, well, actually before anyone arrived, of course, I realized our front door has a child lock at the top. My daughter cannot reach. And so I, in that moment, I realized she wouldn't be able to let anyone in with paramedics on their way. Um, and I, I should mention, I also texted my friend to come pick up the girls moments before I had dropped the phone. So luckily I knew she was on her way as far as, and paramedics and thank heavens our neighborhood is actually next door to the fire station. So within seconds, we heard the sirens and I told my daughter to open the garage. Um, I, I'd fallen just in our kitchen, which is um, just a few feet from our garage door and our front door. So luckily it was still convenient for everyone. And my daughter, through some kind of inspiration, runs over to our drawer where my keys are. I always make a point to try to hide them because I always have a fear of her trying to start our car with the garage door closed. So how she knew right where my keys were, I was so grateful. I have no idea. She grabs my keys, jumps in the car and opens our garage um, from our car and then runs into the driveway, kind of waving everyone in. Okay. Uh, this is like a huge God moment because I have a, <laughs> I have a four-year-old. Like, four-year-olds, you know they're, they're they don't do this. Yeah. So no, like, four-year-olds no. don't do this. I mean, this is like a huge God moment. So like your four-year-old is like literally saving the day and running the show and opening the garage door and getting everyone, you know, in. I mean, this is pretty miraculous. So yeah, definitely inspired because so, the, the, okay. go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, so who arrives first? Um, The first person that runs through the garage is my friend, Julie, who got there so fast from when I texted her. I don't know how she got there that quickly. Runs in, sees my girls, wrangles them inside. Of course, my two-year-old's in her diaper. We were in the process of getting dressed for the morning. Wrangles them both inside from the driveway. I actually didn't, I haven't mentioned this in any other interview, but (laughs) she ran inside since this is a birthing podcast. She was like, what can I do to help? And she was so calm. The, I should mention the miracle of all of this. My friend, Julie, she's outstanding. She has five children and she was born without a, um, a uterus, I believe. And so she wasn't able to give birth. She adopted five of her kids. So she's never experienced childbirth. So she walks in in the midst, in the midst of this and she is just unbelievably calm. She's like, what can I do to help? And she's like holding my girls and I, I can barely speak. I'm so in the zone. I just say, pull down my pants. <laughs> and um, if you've given birth, yeah, you know, it, it yes. just doesn't Get matter. Get everything at that, off me. Yes. At that moment. Yeah, it just doesn't matter. And so she helps me with that. And I'm just like, oh gosh, poor Julie. <laughs> and so she does that. And she, as soon as the firemen, the firemen run in right after that. And so she takes the girls upstairs as soon as she knows I'm good with them. Okay. And did you want me to go on from there? Yeah, I'm just so in it. I'm like, okay, I can see all of this happening. And I'm like, yes, Julie's like your doula angel for like a moment. And I'm also thinking like, what a beautiful gift you were able to give back to her. Like if she's adopted all of her children and maybe hasn't had to 
the opportunity to like be part of that. And like, that was just a gift that she got in that moment too, to be part of like birthing time. You know, I think that's super special. I don't know if she thought it was as cool as I think it is, but you know, but I just think, oh, what a neat thing. So she's upstairs with your girls and then the firemen are the next to come. And are you kind of like, I've, I've got this, like I can catch my own baby or like, did you want them to help you? I wanted them to help me for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, the first one walks in and says, is this your first? And I said, it's my third. And he said, this baby's coming right away. And the next walks in and says, I'm going to put some oxygen on you. Um, they were really sweet. I love that. They just notified me before they did anything. I mean, it wasn't like anything was just being forced on me. I felt really safe and they were really patient. They gave me options, which is what I absolutely loved and respected about them. Um, they said, do you want to, do you want to, um, jump in the ambulance? They had a, they pulled a stretcher in, it was like right next to me. I could see they were like, do you want to have her in the ambulance or have her here? And I said, here, the thought of getting on my back was just terrible. (laughs) So I was not about to move. So I was so grateful. They let me stay there. Um, and then five minutes later, my husband runs in, he's super positive, cheering me on saying, you've got this. She's almost here. And were you pushing? I was pushing. Yeah. At that point. Okay. Yeah. The fireman said it was four pushes. Um, and she was there. I just remember the head fireman saying, okay, big push on this one. And they saw her head. And then, um, within the next push, she was out and yeah, the rest is history. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. I have so many like follow-up questions right now, (laughs) Ashley. Okay. I, I'm in Montana right now. We kind of have like a side house over here, but I mostly live in North Carolina and in North Carolina, you have like a pit, you have like ambulances that come with paramedics and then you have a fire fireman that come from the fire department. And in my city, those things are not the same, but my best friend, Megan, she lives in Orlando. She has five kids. Her husband's a firefighter and he's also a paramedic and they kind of like work together. So my question is, is like in Dallas, Texas, is this fireman like a fireman or like also an e- EMT or a paramedic also? He's both. Yeah. So okay. he is cert- a certified paramedic as well, because when I went to the, I went back to the station a week after she was born to thank all of them. And yeah, they're, they're all firemen and certified paramedics. So okay. convenient. And it was a, a, a male, right? So like he yes. gets in and so he's like, kind of got this, like, I've done this before, like totally calm. I'm good. Right. I'm assuming because I have a really good friend who's a paramedic, like a really, really good friend. (laughs) And he, they like live for these calls. Like he's only had like a few of them in his whole career. And he's like, yeah, it's so cool to catch a baby, you know? So <laughs> That's actually um, what they said. He said he had only caught, my husband asked him later and he said he'd only caught like seven in his career, but th- these are the ultimate calls, the ultimate highlights. I actually spoke with the wife of the one that caught the baby reached out to me, or, um, I think it was like one that was assisting. In other words, uh, the wife reached out to me and was like, I received a text that morning saying, we just had a beautiful baby girl. And she was like, I responded, what are you, what are you talking about? And it was just like the highlight of their week. So it was great. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. Now I have some follow-up questions that are just more like logistical. So because it's probably very specific to Dallas, Texas and like planning to birth at a birth center. So if you are now birthing in the middle of your, like your kitchen slash living area, because I think you said you were like right in between those two places, 
and, and baby, you and baby are healthy. I wanted to note that they likely put oxygen on you just to be preventative. Like if, you know, we don't know if there was cord compression and, and babies really like oxygen. And so I'm assuming that that oxygen just went on just to be preventative and you have a healthy baby. So do you get to just stay home or did you have to like go to the birth center still? Thankfully, they let me stay home. I was so concerned they were going to have to take me to the hospital to run vitals and things like that because obviously my midwife hadn't arrived yet. Um, within the 911 chaos, my husband actually hadn't even called her yet that, to let her know that the baby had been born. The first time I called Chase to tell him to come home, he called the midwife and said, we'll be there as soon as I get home or we'll be there in X amount of time. And um, that was the last they heard. And so as soon as she was born, um, he called and said, she's here. And so they rushed over and were there within about 20 minutes after she was born. And because my midwife arrived at the house, um, the fireman said that she could stay and take all the vitals and, and make sure and help me recover in other words for the next few hours. Wonderful. I love it. Okay. So did they also help you deliver your placenta or was your placenta still inside when the midwife arrived? It was still inside. So they waited for the midwife to arrive. Um, okay for her to deliver the placenta. So that was nice. Okay. Cause I was like, sometimes they release on their own, like really quickly. And you're like, can't do anything about it. You're like, here comes my placenta. It's about to plop out. And then sometimes, you know, you need like a little fundal massage and a little support to get the, the placenta to fully release. So I love this. So now you're just like in the middle of your living room, like Julie's upstairs, Chase <laughs> make, makes it to the birth, which is unbelievable. And you're just like, I don't know, I'm assuming just like holding your beautiful Collins Grace and, you know, your midwife's there. And so then what? You just take a shower and go about your day. I mean, I love this. (laughs) Just like you had a home birth, I guess. Yeah. I'm just sitting, honestly, I was in complete shock. I was, I've, I've never experienced a shock like this before because (laughs) I just didn't, I just kept telling Chase, we just had a home birth. I just kept repeating that because I could not believe my eyes with everyone that was in the house and what had just happened and how smooth it went for the circumstance. Yeah, I love it. Um, now you told me at the beginning of this that you and Chase want to have six children. So there's three more of these <laughs> to go. So now are you like on the home birth train? Are you like, okay, let's just plan for the home birth next time? Or do you think you'll still like set stay with your um, birth center group? Uh, home birth's always been my ultimate goal. So I, I'm about 85% confident that we'll do a home birth for the next one. (laughs) Okay. Well, I have a podcast to recommend if you don't already know it, but it's called doing it at home. So D I A H podcast, Sarah and Matthew Bivens are like incredible. I love them. But if you're thinking about a home birth, I would like check out their (laughs) podcast and study up. So, well, I just love everything about you and your story. And I just like the horsey. <laughs> it's just, I laughed for like 10 minutes, probably forwarded the Instagram post to everyone I know. I mean, I shared it. It was just really hysterical. And I was like, I hope that this beautiful woman with this brand new newborn will take a minute to talk to me. So like, I love that you shared it. Now, Ashley, did you encapsulate your placenta? I did. Yes. You did. Yeah. Okay. I really recommend that. I did that for the first two as well. Oh, um, no, actually I just did it with the first. I couldn't do it with the second because since I, it was a hospital, ended up being a hospital birth, I didn't like have access to the placenta, but yeah, I 
definitely noticed a difference in much faster recovery. So it was great. Yeah. Okay. So I had that question because I'm a big fan of placenta encapsulations. So I was kind of getting a feeling. I'm like, I think she's married to a chiropractor. Like she, <laughs> she did this, you know, We're into all of it. <laughs> Yeah. and then like, we didn't really talk about like, are you a stay at home mom? Because you, to me feel like you should be a doula. <laughs> I get that a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm a stay at home mom. I've considered it, but at the same time, well, the, the reason I always brush off the idea is because I just haven't really had an interest in childbirth, like as far as being on that end of childbirth. Yes. Um, I love being a mom more than anything and my kids, but after experiencing this and like the beauty, I guess maybe it's the trifecta, like the, the three different experiences that I've had, just seeing the beauty of birth from so many different angles. I, I feel like I definitely want to consider that or pursue that field. Well, you definitely like just exude like positivity and everything that you were saying (laughs) about like the positive affirmations and the mindfulness. And so if it's nothing more than everyone listening to this podcast and being inspired by you and learning from you, you know, I really feel like then that's a gift that you're giving to the world, but I'll just plant a seed. I think that there's something Think, I don't always get this little nudge from God, but I just feel like there's a little <laughs> something there. So I thought I would mention it. So I appreciate um, it. Before we go, the last thing I always ask moms is what is your absolute favorite baby product? So that if anyone's listening, their first time mom, you're like, you have to get this. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, I, it's not necessarily marketed as a baby product, I guess somewhat, but my favorite is something, it's bentonite clay. It's a form of bentonite clay, but it's called Redmond's clay. It's out of the state of Utah, but it's sold um, worldwide, actually. We buy it by the gallon <laughs> because we use it for everything. It's in powder form and you can use it for um, like diaper rash. You can use it for digestive purposes when you drink it, add it to a smoothie, whatnot. You can use it as a facial mud. But as far as like baby care on their skin, things like that, it it has like a million uses. So we highly recommend Redmond's clay. Redmond's clay. I am so thankful that you just mentioned this because we, this is like a product I have, like with my, with my, (laughs) my just turned six-year-old and my four-year-old. And we, you know, I don't have babies anymore, but we use this Redmond's clay all of the time. I don't even remember. I ordered it on the internet somewhere, but someone had told us about it because we have these, like, they always just call them like unknown rashes. Like my kids are just famous for these like unknown rashes. I mean, we're out in the Mm -hmm. woods and hiking and stuff a lot, but like, I mean, so uh, we've never ingested it. So I'm, I'm curious to learn more. I'm gonna have to read up on that. Um, But we definitely soak in it. We lather in it. We make clays and like, I I use it as just like a healing tool for my kids. So I'm just... Like if your kids get chicken pox, like you need vitamins clay. Like if things <laughs> happen, you need, if, you know, if you choose, there's some people that are going to choose to vaccinate or not vaccinate their kids. But if you choose to do a vaccination, I highly recommend like packing any kind of wound or vaccination site like over with the clay. So, oh my gosh, you're the first person <laughs> to mention this on the podcast and I'm beaming because I love this product. So. My husband always says the only thing we need in our first aid kit is Redmond's clay. So that's yes. how much we love it. <laughs> yes. Okay. And we'll link to it in the show notes. So thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule with a one month old to be on the birth story podcast. And I just hope that we keep in touch and I'll let you know when the episode airs. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for reaching out. It was so great to meet you. You too.
for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like.